the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Well, hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and I want to welcome you to another amazing live stream. I think everyone will be blessed with the live stream that we have for you right now. Um, about maybe two weeks ago, or a little over that, we did a panel uh, discussion by former Muslims to talk about the uh, Easter and reflecting back on the meaning uh, behind that for us when we were Muslims and now followers of Christ. And one of the panelists was um, uh, a person by the name of Sister Ray from South Africa. And she did an excellent job, uh, of course, in um, interacting with us about many aspects of the resurrection of Christ and Easter and uh, the passion of our Lord and so on and so forth. And I did not mention to you at that time that uh, I was already coordinating with our sister to have her come in solo and to share her journey. Uh, to Christ. And today, uh, we have the honor of having Sister Ray with us here live in our studios, obviously virtually, that's what I mean. And we are going to spend an hour, but the hour will be split in two parts, about 25 minutes for part one and 25 minutes for part two. And then we will entertain some questions specifically in part two, depending when she is done with her testimony and even if the time runs out, we will stay with you here in studio for a few more minutes to interact with your questions after that. We do this because not only we're going live on YouTube and Facebook, but also this will be part of our podcast, Let Us Reason. With that in mind, I want to welcome all of you, including our listeners of the Let Us Reason podcast. And it's uh, an honor to introduce to you our dear sister, Sister Ray. Sister Ray, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, to be with us. And thank you for your patience and flexibility with us. I know we changed the time on you a couple of times, but really it was out of our control. It's just for technical reasons. Hey, Alfadi. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm one of your biggest fans and followers, and so it's such an honor for me to be here. Well, uh, glory to God. Thank you so much. Well, as always, with any testimony, um, why don't you walk us uh, through your journey, starting, the, you know, all the way back uh, when you were born and raised and your at least understanding of Islam at that time? Um, well, yes, Sulfadi, I um, basically was born into a mixed race family. 
uh, my dad, he, my grandfather actually originates from Iran and they came down to South Africa. My dad was um, born here and all of his brothers. And so I was born into a fully fledged Muslim Sunni family. Um, my dad married um, a colored woman. Now that word colored, I know it's a derogatory term in America, but in South Africa, there are four race groups. Um, and um, one of the race groups, white, black, Indian colored, that's what apartheid did to us. And um, my mom married this woman and she basically, um, she came from a Catholic background, but my mom forsook all of that and she embraced the Islamic way of life. She embraced my dad. And so by the time I came along, I was born into a Muslim home born and bred Muslim, grew up in Islam. Um, I went to um, Madrasa. I actually went to a school outside of town. So what happened in South Africa was that, um, you know, I was uh, born in, into an apartheid South Africa. And so the four race groups were still very distinguished. And that affected us in several ways. The one is schools. So Indians went to their own schools, uh, black kids to their own white and so forth. Um, but there were convent schools run by nuns and the nuns were sort of rebellious and they wanted multiracial schools. And so they didn't care what the government did. And so um, uh, what they were girls schools. So you can imagine Muslim their girls in the convent school because it was a girls school. And that's what happened to me. I actually ended up in the convent and I went to school there. But, um, you know, we were, we all traveled together. So we lived together. The Group Areas Act forced us uh, to live in separate race groups. And one of the results of that was that I grew up in a community that was classified Indian. And that meant that there were Hindus, Tamils, and predominantly by far, Muslims in our community. So it's almost like we had a little bit of the Middle East right here in South Africa, in my community, because it was just just, uh, just us. There were no other race groups, no other religions really, except from Hindu and Tamil group. In fact, the Azan, you would hear, you can still go there and hear the Azan five times a day. If you go to any of the shops, everything is halal. So, you know, I really grew up in this close-knit, small community. And after school, when we would come back from the convent, we would go to Madrasa, just like everybody else. And we would get trained in the, the Deen of Islam. We would, you know, read the Quran. I had my Quran. I would say in retrospect, you know, we thought we were on fire for Muslims, but I guess we were just nominal Muslims growing up in a Western country, you know, was different. Um, but you know, a lot of people may think that being in a Western country would influence you. And on the contrary, being in a Western country actually marginalizes you as a Muslim. And so what happens is that you sort of stand together and you're more passionate about your faith. You're more passionate about your belief because you know that you're in the minority. And um, so that that's basically, you know, that's the household that I was born into. A huge family. My dad and my nine brothers and probably... 20, 100 cousins <laughs> and uncles and a huge, big, beautiful, wonderful family that I was born into. Um, and that's where I grew up in, in the culture and in, and in the understanding that we had of Islam at that time. So I grew up a, a, a nominal Muslim. I think as I hit my teens, I was hungry for more. And probably by my late teens, I started, um, I remember I was looking for women's groups. And that was nearly impossible to find. I wanted to connect with other Muslim ladies. 
Um, but eventually, um, I started praying my namaz more often and five, five times, which is quite a big deal here if you become a five times namazi. And I did, I eventually did for years. Um, the, you know, the funny thing, Al-Fadi, is that my whole family went into um, wearing hijab. Um, in South Africa, at that time, that was a big deal. Um, I tried to, but I kept getting this rash on my neck. <laughs> it was like an eczema that flared up. And I kept thinking, well, Allah, you know, you made me. So, you know, if I can't wear that scarf, well, you know, too bad. So at every khittim or prayer meeting, you know, I was always the one with the scarf down simply because it would, it would irritate my neck. And, um, you know, they would like look at me badly, you know, the aunties and all of that. They would like complain about my hair sticking out. And um, I guess there already I began to think, gosh, this is like, just doesn't make sense. I, I don't have control over this, you know. So I never went into the hijab for that reason. Um, but I was devoted. I was devoted as a Muslim. I believed in Islam. I wasn't looking for problems. I really wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, started just growing, growing and growing a bit more. Okay. Um, I think there was a shift that happened when I went to university. So one of the things, you know, a lot of the things I did, I did traditionally and I did because that's what I was taught to do. Um, I was taught to read and to write Arabic, but never to understand Arabic. Yeah. So when before, I read the Quran, you, there was no... Yeah, before you continue yes. with that... Uh, and before you got in, at the, the university, um, as a teenager, what type of teachings you were exposed to from the Quran or from the Sunnah in general? And if any, which part was troubling to you if you noticed something, for instance, that didn't make sense? Well, as a teenager, um, I think, you know, just the basic understanding, the basic laws, um, the five pillars, uh, celebrating Ramadan, how to say our kalimas, how to say certain duas. We would go and, and, and read kitabs at prayers or khitams, you know. Those are the basic things, just the, the way of life. You know, for Islam, there's there's a rule for everything. There's a way you do everything. You step out of the house with the right leg. You know, all there's there little things that you say. So we were just... That's the kind of life that we lived. And as a teen, I was actually very passionate uh, because I would pick arguments with some of the girls at our school who were Catholic. And I always felt like, you know, I floored them with arguments because the, these Christian girls just didn't know how to fight back. And we knew, I knew, how, like we were, I was taught, I knew how to pick on certain things like um, Ishmael and Isaac. And, you know, I had such a, 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 a a mild understanding, but I thought, I thought I knew it all. But I think for me, the real questioning happened at university. Um, and I, I was okay in my teens. I didn't really have issues. A lot of family life, a lot of community, uh, that fostered the Islamic culture in my life. Uh, and my dad also, you know, when I started praying my namaz, just, he was proud of me and all of that. But I think in my teens, what had happened uh, in my university years, I was not seeking or searching or anything of the sort. I was studying and I would always study on a particular floor of the university. But because I had new research to do, I uh, went to go and study on, I think it was the second floor, this 
these books that I, I needed, these psychology books, they were all on a particular floor where I needed to do this research. Now, understand growing up, we had our family, we had our parents, we had our community, but we didn't have a lot of um, books and literature, Fadi. And I'm talking about the 90s. The internet was still in its embryonic stage. It was still in its infancy. So being able to access material was very hard. And we had a Muslim bookstore that really just had, you know, Qurans, a few kitabs, but no real literature. Like being exposed to the Hadith and all of that, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't exposed. We had English translation, Qurans, the Yusuf Ali, everybody had the Yusuf Ali. And um, that was the extent of my exposure, was upbringing and family and what they taught us at Madrasa. But at university, when I went on this particular research, I, I, I was walking across the floor, looking at all my books, and lo and behold, just to the left of them was this magnificent library of Islamic books. I nearly did cartwheels. I was so excited because I had never been exposed to so much of literature on Islam. And um, I, I think you can take out 10 or 15 books. I didn't take out any research books. I was so hungry. I took out all 15 books were Islamic books and um, very bad place to start. I started taking out books on women <laughs> And I went home and I started reading these books. I was so hungry for understanding and to go deeper in my iman, in my faith, in, in what I did as, as a Muslim. Um, and as I read these books, um, I think I really began to suffer one devastation after the other. Like what? What examples caused this? Sorry, what were? What, what examples in these books caused you to feel devastated like this? Oh, Al-Fadi, I remember clearly one of the first things that I read was that um, if a woman wears chunky jewelry and the jewelry begins to tinkle or make a sound and a man is drawn to a woman because of the sound of the jewelry, then the sin of lust and adultery falls on her. And, wow. you know, maybe coming from a, I don't know, a Western country or I don't know, like I looked at that and I was flabbergasted. I thought, what? Like, I literally thought, heck so, no. So what, that, that, that was foreign to you? I mean, you didn't know about these things before then? No. In fact, you know, if we would hear my my dad and the elders in our family would always teach me that Christianity and um, that at the time of the Prophet Muhammad, that um, Christians were, were the word that he used was soulless. The Christian women were regarded as soulless. And that the prophet came and reinstituted, lifted women up to a level that they had never been before. And so, you know, it was a romantic notion that Islam gave women rights unlike any other religion before. And, you know, we just believed it because we, we weren't studying. We just believed this is it. We're on the right road. And, and yes, we're empowered women. And you would hear little things here and there. You would see that. Uh, one of the things I remember was at the weddings back then, you know, um, 
all the we had huge huge weddings as you know and um all the women would sit in the hall while the nikah was happening in the mosque and the, i always would sit there and think oh shame she doesn't know she's married yet she's on the stage but she doesn't know that moment of marriage but then what would happen is all the men would go and eat first and once the the men had eaten the woman would go and then i could never understand i was like but why i'm not i'm not I'm a woman not supposed to go first so it would be little things like that that would show you know and and with the prayers we would be separated and all of that but i never really picked on it picked up on it uh, until i read these books and then when i saw this issue of the jewelry and i thought i can't be held responsible that's nonsense that's what i thought and any little thing that i had picked up as a young person i always just thought oh man these are you know these are my uncles or these these this, these people are just so old fashioned you know they stuck in some 7th century belief they don't know the true islam that liberates women uh and then when i read these books that was the first thing i read and um ultimately uh it then read me to, uh, led me to actually reading the english of the quran which i ashamedly had done in little chunks but i'd never really read it with understanding i also found it difficult to understand not you know uh it's not coherent it's just little pieces put together when i read surah 4 um my heart absolutely sank when i read um you know that a man is allowed to beat a woman and they say lightly but it says beat you know beat in any form was not um acceptable to me and i don't know god is just so um, he's just got such a sense of humor because one of the subjects i was studying at university was english and in english they were exposing us to simone de beauvoir who's a feminist so i'm having this feministic thoughts being put in my head which is also ungodly but also then you know these islamic thoughts which are on the extreme other side and um so there was a major shift for me there but i must admit alfadi it wasn't enough to um make me question or doubt islam you know you kind of just say well allah taala knows best and so you must trust him and i told myself that for a long time but i had a a, a nice group of muslim friends and um one of my good friends her father you know my father was a bit more liberal as they would say but he was a practicing muslim but her dad was very staunch i think he was tablighi uh just a very different kind of a, a level that they lived at in their home and uh they were very very strict and you know everyone knew him to be pious and and so were the kids and so I was close to them and you know one day we were chatting over the phone and she actually said to me when i was telling her about these issues of woman that i was struggling with in the quran and then she said to me she said you know ray can i be honest with you and i said what and she said i think we've missed it i said to her what now you've got to understand this is this like one. a muslim close friend she's telling me we've missed it mm. i said well if we've missed it meaning we've missed god I said if we've missed it then who's got it and so she like you know she comes closer well she says it louder like you know she says oh, i'm going to tell you now it's the christians i said what no way you know like so paganistic trinity all of that no way you know and she said no seriously just look at how they treat their women and look at their value system it's different and um that coming from her was you know it it, it hit me inside it, i i shuddered really and um it would so happen that at that time of my life um there was um there was this guy 
And he was kind of cute, you know, and a lot of girls liked him, you know, small community, everybody knows everybody, but he was, um, he had got saved. He, I didn't know this about him, but he had become a born again Christian. And I actually didn't even really know too much about what being a born again Christian was. And he and I went on a, we're going to go on a movie date, but he was, I didn't know he was like evangelizing. And he said to me, would you come with me to church first before we go out for movies? And I thought, well, you know, I've been to church. I've been exposed to Catholicism. I've been to church before. Cool. No problem. We'll, we'll go to church. Um, You know, Alfadi, in that time before we, we went to church, Disney had released um, a movie called the Prince of Egypt. Mm, and um, yes. remember that. And in of one of the uh, khutbahs, one of the sermons, the uh, Mulana at the mosque, now we as women weren't allowed, but whatever happened at the mosque would always be transferred back to us by the men of the family and friends and so forth. And I was informed by the men that um, we must stay away from Prince of Egypt. It's, it's a bad depiction. It's not Quranic. And we need to, to stay away from that. And I really enjoyed the Disney version. And so I wanted to see this for myself. So I went and looked at all the references of Moses. I just went to the index of the Quran and I wanted to see how it tied up. So I had just done this Quranic back-to-back study of Moses. Mm -hmm. Now, being in a Catholic school, they would talk about Jesus now and again. But, you know, Alfadi, being in a Western country, it's not uncommon. I learned to tune the name out. I learned to zone it out. So the minute they would sing a song about Jesus or something, I would just, I, I, I just knew how to switch off. I knew how to drown out the name that it, if, if it offended me. And I learned to say um, surahs or duas over that as people would be doing any Christian thing, perhaps. And um, so I was used to that. So when we went to church, when this guy invited me to church and there was now time, you know, to, to hear the sermon, I thought, okay, great. I'm going to just zone out of this Jesus stuff for the next hour and I'll be fine. And um, God in his great grace and mercy ensured that the preacher that day did not mention Jesus. His entire sermon was about Moses. Wow, that's amazing. And by the way, uh, we are approaching the end of this part. So um, you might want to, you know, uh, wrap up this section because we want to have people next part to hear the continuation of your journey, of course. So uh, do you have anything else you want to add just to this particular um, uh, part that you were talking about, about the imam talking about Moses and the fact that he doesn't want you to watch that Hollywood movie because it did not match the Quranic uh, version? So what happened at church very quickly, obviously I was locked in, gripped on the preachers every word. I had just studied Moses. I was interested in every word. And at the end of that sermon, he called people forward to make Jesus Lord of their lives. I was absolutely not interested, but I was sitting there crying and I couldn't understand why. And maybe we can catch up on the second part with what happened at that end of that service. Yes, thank you so much for this amazing part. And of course, if you're tuning in, you're listening to a Let Us Reason pod, uh, podcast and also live stream right now with us here virtually in our studios, Sister Ray, who is sharing her amazing journey to Christ. And uh, uh, so far, she uh, has told us about her upbringing and at the same time, how she began to notice some discrepancies when it comes to Islam and its teachings. And so far, uh, you know, according to what she shared with us, she wasn't convinced yet that Jesus is the answer. 
but uh, obviously she started to pay more attention to a number of contradictions, um, and she is obviously trying to resolve those contradictions. Hopefully in part two, uh, you are going to hear the continuation of this amazing journey, including uh, we will ask her about her upcoming book uh, that uh, will capture uh, basically many of these details for us. So again, thank you so much for those of you who are joining us. And uh, we want to remind you, as always, to subscribe to our channel, Sierra International. And also, um, consider to uh, become a supporter of our ministry through Patreon, uh, which is also patreon.com forward slash Sierra International. Or even some of you choose to do it through PayPal, and we thank you for that. And I know the moderators have listed all of these links for you, and it will be in the description box as well. Uh, We couldn't have done it without your sacrifices. So we thank you, uh, you know, for your obedience and your um, just amazing uh, uh, giving towards this ministry. And uh, we are so blessed, of course, to have a supporting team like you folks. Again, uh, hopefully you're enjoying uh, part one of this amazing journey to Christ. If you are one of our podcast listeners, certainly next week, you will be listening to part two. But if you are with us right now, live in studio, we will pause just for less than a minute and we will come back again and continue with part two. Those of you who would like to take a look at this live stream, even if you're listening to it on radio, you can go to our website, uh, I should say our YouTube channel, Sierra International, and just uh, go back to this live stream, which is on uh, May 12th. May 12th of 2022, and you'll be able to see that uh, video as well. Sister Ray, thank you so much. We're excited really to have you, and we cannot wait until we hear the continuation of your story. This is Al Fadi, over and out. God bless you. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.